You're listening to The Fridge of Knowledge, the podcast where I, Gus Phelan, explore the insane, mind-blowing, and absolutely incredible history and culture humans have with food. In this undead-themed pilot episode, we explore everything from pop culture to thousand-year-old poems to see if zombies actually eat brains. But for starters, the origin of guacamole. Avocados were first cultivated in south-central Mexico about 10,000 years ago, but guacamole came much later, first made by Aztecs in the 16th century. They called it a guacamole, meaning avocado sauce, as it was made of only mashed avocados. When the Europeans arrived, they also enjoyed the dish and attempted to recreate it sans avocados. But when these faux dips failed to surpass the popularity of the original, the European interest in the avocado was sparked. Most of the key components of guacamole, such as tomatoes and onions, are native to the Americas and were in use before European contact. So many ingredients we use today arrived via the Colombian exchange, the widespread transfer of culture and many other things between the Americas, West Africa and the Old World in the 15th and 16th centuries. These ingredients included common staples of the dish today, such as garlic, cumin and lime. When they were first properly introduced to the more modern United States in the early 1900s, avocados often went by the name alligator pear, but America has warmed the avocado since then, and guacamole has been cited as increasing US avocado sales ever since, especially on Super Bowl Sunday, when many snacks and other dips are consumed by Super Bowl viewers, or Cinco de Mayo, which, although Mexican in origin, is more commonly celebrated in the US now, and food honoring Mexican-American culture is plentiful. Mexican Independence Day also marks National Guacamole Day on September the 16th, so why not kill some time until then by listening to the rest of this show? Do zombies actually eat brains? You would probably say, Gus, you're not really going to do a line of dialogue in the role of the average listener that I would never actually say in real life, are you? No, of course not, but everyone seems to think they do eat them. The English word zombie was first recorded in 1819, and the concept of the zombie was first introduced into Western culture by the book The Magic Island in 1929. The news magazine and website Time commented that it introduced zombie into US speech. The first zombie movie was White Zombie in 1932. Zombies then appeared sporadically between the 1930s to 60s in movies such as I Walked with a Zombie and Plan 9 from Outer Space. However, the zombies in these films, and the works preceding them, were more associated with concept in Haitian folklore, namely voodoo, from which the term zombie derived. This voodoo creature didn't receive much attention after the 60s, and in the second half of the 20th century, a new version of the zombie, inspired by, but significantly different from, the one described in the folklore, emerged. Its image was drawn mostly from those in the film Night of the Living Dead, which are often cited as pop culture's first true zombies. But did they eat brains? Nope. In the original script for the film, they are hungry for human flesh, and the same is true of many of the film's inspired works. I've never had a zombie eat a brain. I don't know where that comes from. Who says zombies eat brains? Were a few of the remarks director George Romero told Vanity Fair in 2010. The popular belief that zombies eat brains is most likely inspired by material in Return of the Living Dead, which came out almost 20 years later in 1985. In fact, the creatures in Night of the Living Dead might not even be zombies. The term was only applied later by fans. While these may be pop culture's first zombies, even though they don't eat brains and they might not be zombies, they're not even close to the first undead creatures. The Epic of Gilgamesh is an epic poem, that's a long narrative poem, not a very cool one, written on clay tablets in Mesopotamia around 2100 BC. 
It tells the literary history of Gilgamesh, a historical king of the Sumerian, that's the first known civilization, the Sumerian region of Uruk. At one point in the tale, Ishtar, the goddess of love and war, two very weirdly conflicting things if you ask me, threatens to raise the dead to eat the living. Zombies! But they don't eat any brains. There is no mention of them eating grey matter, or anything other than the living, really. So pop culture's first, and the world's first, are both a bust. Legends and folklore don't give us much either. The Nachzerde is a German creature more often referred to as a vampire than a zombie, but it rises from the dead to eat the living, so it counts. Its name means after Nach, living off Zerde, presumably referring it to it living off humans after death. After emerging from its grave, it typically devours its family members, pleasant, but it also has the unusual trait of eating itself and its funeral shroud, the action of which causes its living relatives to become ill or physically drained. A few other facts of note include they can be killed by placing a coin in its mouth, then decapitating it, which does beg the question why the coin is there in the first place, and they can be easily found as they often lie in their graves with their thumb in the opposite hand and the left eye open, but it is also noted the noise of the shroud being consumed makes a bit of a racket. However, in folklore and other mythological legends, there is no shortage of undead creatures. The undead Draga from Norse mythology has many supernatural powers, such as controlling the weather, seeing into the future, entering dreams, smelling bad, swimming through rocks, and turning into a cat that would lie on a sleeper's chest and grow heavier until the victim suffocated. Despite all these magical abilities, they eat zero brains, and are most commonly cited as eating flesh or blood. And The Revenant, a reanimated corpse from English folklore, is a soul blood drinker. Our last legendary lookin' takes us to Asia. The Jiangxi is also known as the Chinese hopping zombie, as its main form of transport is hopping around with its arms outstretched. But does it eat brains? Of course not. It kills creatures to absorb their life force, or ki, which I guess you could consider a meal. Whilst this is quite an intimidating threat, there are many documented ways to counter Jiangxi's. These include mirrors, a medical book from the 16th century noted, a mirror is the essence of liquid metal. It is dark on the external, but bright inside. The wood of a peach tree, a rooster's call, date seeds, the Chinese date, or jujube to be precise. The book Zi Bu Yu, a collection of supernatural stories, helpfully suggests to nail seven jujube seeds into the acupuncture points on the back of a corpse. Fire, hand bells, the bargua sign, i.e. the yin-yang sign, vinegar, an axe, adzuki beans, the hooves of a black donkey, the blood of a black dog, a broom, holding one's breath, two different Chinese novels, sticky rice, thread stained with a concoction of black ink, chicken blood, and burnt talisman, and dropping a bag of coins can cause the Jiangxi to count the coins. And following in the wake of that, there are a few more curveballs that we need to address. The Hungry Ghost Festival, celebrated in many Asian countries, or at least a version of the festival, is all about ghosts, spirits, and food. But rather than grey matter, ritualistic food offerings are prepared, and elaborate, often vegetarian meals are served with empty seats for each of the deceased in the family, treating the dead as if they are still living. There's also All Souls Day, a Christian holiday that also celebrates spirits. Circa 12th century, the people of Cochiti Pueblo would leave out peas, corn, beans and watermelons for the occasion. But the curviest of all the curveballs is definitely lost on Venus. The Amtor series contains four science fantasy novels and one novelette. 
It's authored by Edgar Rice Burroughs, who also wrote Tarzan, and then presumably continued on a downward spiral to write this extremely weird novel. In the book, a mad scientist named Score steals blood from the living and uses it to revive the dead. As you can imagine, brains were fairly scarce in a galactic setting, so we can only assume they dined on some of the freeze-dried cack we feed our astronauts today. But at least it tastes better than the thinky mush in your head. What? You thought the podcast was over? No. There's one more section left to go. Last course. At the very end of this podcast, i.e. now, I'll do a section called Last Course, where I tell you about an interesting food to finish off the show. Our last course this episode is Brunost from Norway. Brunost is often called brown cheese, but it is just the leftover whey from the cheese making process, simmered carefully with milk and cream for hours. The heat caramelises the milk sugars, giving it its trademark brown colour and caramelly, salty and slightly tangy taste. Brunost's consistency is also more comparable to fudge rather than most cheese. Dairy misconceptions aside, the Norwegians can't get enough of the darn stuff and serve Brunost on toast, crackers and waffles, among other foods. It is considered one of Norway's most iconic dishes and evokes pride among the Norwegians of both cultural and gastronomical. Keen Bronost fans may own a special slicer to be used solely for the stuff. However, Bronost is one of the few foods noted for its flammable capabilities. In January 2013, a truck carrying 27 tonnes of the stuff caught fire in the 3.5 kilometre long Bratley Tunnel in Norway. With the fats and sugars in the cheese fueling the blaze, firefighters couldn't enter the site for four days. The story was widely publicised internationally and dubbed by the media as the goat cheese fire. One member of the Public Roads Administration said, I didn't know that brown cheese burns so well. You've been listening to The Fridge of Knowledge, hosted by me, Gus Phelong. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell a friend about it or leave a review. This is a very new podcast, and any help to increase the listenership would be appreciated. Thank you in advance. Goodbye from the fridge.